This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Crossing the street should not put you in danger, but far too often in Colorado, being a pedestrian or bicyclist can pose a serious risk. I try not to think about it because uh, it, it gets you upset if you if you think about it too much. This week, we hear from loved ones of those taken too soon. Plus, we get answers from policymakers about what's being done to keep roads safe and accessible for everyone. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. Each week, in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we will have a Real Talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. This week, we're talking about Vision Zero, a plan started locally by former Denver Mayor Michael Hancock's administration in 2016 to eliminate deaths and serious injuries by 2030. Now, despite this push to make roads safer, Denver streets are deadlier than they've been in years. In 2021 and 2022, the city recorded 84 fatal crashes, and fatality rates have been the highest since 2004. There's also a very similar picture statewide. Yeah, last year, 745 lives were lost on Colorado's roads. That's the most deaths since 1981 and a 57% increase from 2012. More than a third of those people were pedestrians, motorcyclists, and bicyclists who are already at a greater risk of severe injury or deaths on the road. One of those cyclists is Steve Perkins, who died in a hit-and-run last year. He was riding with his twin brother before the crash, and now his twin, Dan Perkins, and the rest of their family are demanding justice. Denver 7's Christian Lopez followed up with them a year after the tragedy. Steve and I were doing, we were doing a bike ride together in uh, Cherry Creek State Park that morning. Uh, we'd, we'd been doing that for quite some time. So we got to the edge of the, of the park, we said our goodbyes and uh, headed our, our, you know, our respective ways. The last goodbye Dan Perkins would say to his twin brother, Steve. I got a call from his wife at nine o'clock in the morning saying that uh, she needed me to come to the emergency room and they told us it was a hit and run. He was in the bike lane. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do, riding exactly the way he was supposed to ride. Um, and that was it. Uh, the guy didn't stop. This is the intersection where Steve was hit and killed, 13th and Syracuse. It happened on August 10th, 2022. All of this is still up in his honor. His family recently helped increase the Crime Stoppers reward money to $22,000 in hopes of finally finding the suspect. You know, the car was a... Uh, uh, late 1990s or early 2000s Ford Explorer that uh, they believe it was blue. I feel worse for his wife and his two boys because they don't get any closure on this. I try not to think about it because uh, it, it gets you upset if you if you think about it too much. When he finds himself struggling. It brings back memories of happier times, um, doing rides with him and just chatting about life and everything. He finds a little comfort. Adios. Remembering that last morning they spent together. I have a video from his onboard bike camera of the entire ride. Um, and I go back and look at it occasionally just to just to relive it. You know, it, it was the last time I saw my brother. In Denver, I'm Christian Lopez, Denver 7. And I had the honor of covering Steve's ghost bike ceremony. And it was really important that we included his story in this real talk because we have to highlight that our roads are not safe for everyone. Right. It's just the case. It's just the case. 
You know, and these deaths on our roads happen far too often. And our guest is working to not only protect cyclists, but some of our most vulnerable pedestrians, the kids. Yeah. So joining us now is Denver Bicycle Lobby Bike Mayor and School Crossing Guard, Amy Kenry. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Start with your crossing guard duties. Tell us what you're seeing in your capacity as a school crossing guard. Oh, I see it all. Hmm. I see the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, some drivers give me a thumbs up. Some of them give me a different finger. Um, it's it's real life out there. It's hard. Uh, it's a hard job, but it's a super rewarding job. Since I've started at the intersection that I'm at, at an arterial street where the speed limit is 30 miles an hour, um, I've seen the number of kids crossing more than double. Um, and those kids are just out there to get from point A to point B. They're picking dandelions. They're picking leaves. They're um, giving me little stuffed animals, telling me it's, their, it's my mascot. Um, they're just out there to have fun. And sometimes they make mistakes, um, and I'm there to keep them safe, uh, especially when drivers make mistakes. At last check, city statistics showed only about 14% of kids walk or roll to school. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, it's definitely because their parents won't allow them to do it. Um, kids are fearless and they'll do it if they're allowed to. They love to walk and roll to school. Yeah. They love it. I saw one trick-or-treating this morning on their way to school with leftover candy. <laughs> um, they love it, but their parents won't let them because it's not safe out there. Um, and that's what we really need is safer streets in order for, to give kids access to be able to walk and roll to school. Amy, you're also a member of the Denver Bicycle Lobby. Some may have caught I mentioned you were bike mayor of the lobby. Talk to me about what the lobby does and what you do as bike mayor. Um, well, we're really a diverse group of people. Um, we are people who like to or need to walk or bike or roll to get from point A to point B. And what brings us all together is that we want safer streets. That's what we're asking for. That's what we're fighting for. Um, and, you know, all genders, all ages, um, all abilities. Some of us are new to biking, just got maybe a, an e-bike through the rebate program. Um, and some of us have been doing it for a long time, but we all come together in an effort to make our streets safer. Our you on, and, you, and your, your organization on board with the, the goals of Vision Zero, do they align with, with what you think should happen? Absolutely, and um, it's, it's frustrating sometimes to watch um, the pace that change happens because um, you know a lot of us are out there because we want to make this world a better place by not um, emitting fumes into the atmosphere just, just to get to work or to, to school. Um, so yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we're the biggest cheerleaders, I would say, for Vision Zero, and that's why you see us um, showing up in costume at um, city council meetings, yeah. advocating for more budget and things like that. Yeah. What immediate changes would you like to see in Denver that would make our roads safer? I would really like to see people who are quick to say no to changes to our street. Um, just think twice. Think about the ages 8 to 80 who are also trying to use the street. Think about the benefits that the safety improvements like traffic circles or um, those white posts that we mentioned. Um, think about the benefits of slowing down drivers and um, getting to know your neighbors that are outside of vehicles using the street. Bring to your community before you say no. That's that's what I would like to see. Is the not in my backyard, you know, 
strong in that sense? Do you have a lot that you have to get over and people are like, well, it just doesn't look good. I don't, it, it, or, you know, you're taking away my parking spot or things like that. That seems to be something that you may have to deal with a lot. Yeah, that's especially frustrating for somebody like me who basically risks their life twice a day, um, helping children just cross across the street, it's hard for me to listen to people who are putting aesthetics over safety. Um, and I wish that those people would uh, take a walk in my shoes and um, experience the street outside of a motor vehicle, because I think that really changes your opinion when you have that experience. Yeah, that giant big rolling piece of steel, when you're not inside of it, it feels very different, I'm assuming, on the roadways. Very different. Yeah. yeah, and before we go, I want to mention that Amy does practice what she preaches, even to come to our studios today. <laughs> Amy rode her bike, and Jill Locantori, who you'll hear from later, also rode her bike. So lots of cyclists, even on this day, for this <laughs> real talk. Amy, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. That was Amy Kenry of the Denver Bicycle Lobby. Denver isn't the only city focusing on Vision Zero. Other places across the Front Range are also working on their own plans. Stay with us. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Haffel. Today we're talking about Vision Zero, a plan to eliminate traffic deaths and serious injuries while also increasing safety for everyone. Yeah, another goal of Vision Zero is for everyone to have a stake in keeping road users safe by implementing a system-wide approach to safety from road users to road designers. Yeah, everyone, right? And it's not just Denver focusing on Vision Zero. Up and down the Front Range, communities are reassessing how they're city streets are used and if they're safe. Yeah, we want to dive deeper into some details of Vision Zero, what it hopes to achieve and how that can be done. So joining us now is Jill Locantori, the executive director of the Denver Streets Partnership. Jill, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, so tell us a little bit about the Denver Streets Partnership and what you do. The Denver Streets Partnership is a coalition of community groups who are advocating for people-friendly streets here in Denver. Our mission is to reduce our dependency on driving as the primary way of getting around and to design our communities in a way that puts people first. I mean, cars are king across the front range. That's, that's what we're saying. But we are seeing more and more communities do things, you know, in real time to make uh, uh, cities safer and streets safer. I'm thinking of those, those little white stakes that they put in the corner of the road so people have a little bit more protection, things like that. Is that part of the philosophy of Vision Zero, doing things that may not cost millions and millions of dollars but still help prevent uh, serious fatalities and, and injuries for people that are just trying to cross the street? Yes, one of the biggest factors that influences safety is the design of the streets. Historically, we've designed our streets to move as many cars as fast as possible and made it really difficult for people to get around by modes other than driving. Those paint and white posts, I like to think of them as just sketching out a redesign of the street. What if we took a little bit of space away from cars and we repurposed it to make more space for people walking and biking? And we can then actually evaluate, is that producing the intended safety outcome? And if it is, then we can follow up with more permanent designs, actually moving the curb that make it more beautiful and really contribute to the livability of the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, former Denver Mayor Michael Hancock fully committed to Vision Zero in 2016. Recently, we've heard calls for more funding and to really push forward toward this 2030 goal. Uh, in doing so, I know there's been a few successes along the way. Can you talk about some of the successes the city has seen? 
Yeah, so Denver's really just getting started on addressing Vision Zero, and so far it's done relatively small projects at isolated locations, but they are improving safety at those locations. So for example, on Colfax, which is one of the most dangerous streets in the city, the city, again, they used paint and post to just make some alterations at some of the intersections that provide more space for pedestrians crossing the street, slow down vehicles, and we see that does actually reduce conflict between drivers and pedestrians but that's only been done at 15 intersections right. along this nine mile corridor that has something on the order of 250 intersections. So to really eliminate traffic fatalities on that corridor, we need to fundamentally redesign the street. So instead of acting like a highway with cars going 40, 50 miles an hour, we've reduced the speeds, we've reduced the space for cars, and we have ample space for people walking and biking and accessing transit on those corridors. Before uh, former Denver Mayor Michael Hancock left office, he told CPR News that, that you're right, this big thing is not gonna happen immediately, but I know that there are city administrators who say yeah this is we're going to go all in on it uh, you know go all in on this can that be done where we currently stand with funding with input with stakeholders saying this is what i want to do or this is not what i want to do i mean are we ready to take that giant meteoric leap to make vision zero a reality we definitely need more funding. The city just updated their Vision Zero action plan and identified what was working that needs to be amplified, what they need to do differently. But it, they also found they need about four times as much funding as they have right now to fully implement that plan. And the other issue is political will. You know, one of the biggest challenges we have to overcome is indifference. A lot of people either aren't aware of how many traffic fatalities are on our roads or think there's nothing that we can do to prevent them, which is not true. We can prevent traffic fatalities and it's unacceptable that we're allowing this many people to die on our streets every year. And so we need community members to speak up and say that they want our city leaders to invest the funds that are necessary to make our streets truly safe. A lot of gems in there, political will sticking That's with me one. right now. Yep. <laughs> All right, Jill, thank you so much for joining us for this Real Talk. Thank you. That was Jill Locantore, Executive Director of the Denver Streets Partnership. In May, the city released an updated Vision Zero Action Plan. It places more focus on specific locations where more fatal crashes and serious injuries are occurring. A spokesperson says the city's priorities now include protecting vulnerable road users with that focus on people who walk, bike, and use micro-mobility and motorcycles. Still to come, new cars and trucks are getting bigger. Some SUV and light trucks are a third larger than they were a decade ago. Since bigger vehicles are more dangerous to pedestrians and cyclists, one lawmaker says their owners should pay more for pedestrian safety projects. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm CPR's Nathan Heffel. And I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. Today we're talking about Vision Zero. That's a framework that aims to eliminate traffic deaths and serious injuries. Denver is working to do this by 2030. But so far, things haven't been going so well. 
Last year, 745 lives were lost on Colorado roads. That's the most death since 1981 and a 57% increase from 2012. And there is a draft bill working its way through the state legislature that would provide funding for traffic safety projects like bike lanes and speed cameras. And more funding for those projects would be footed by owners of bigger vehicles. State Senator Lisa Cutter represents Jefferson County. She sponsored a bill that would create a new fee that would scale with the size of your vehicle. And joining her is Emily Klein-Felter, the Safety Regional Vision Zero Planner with Denver's Regional Council of Governments, or Dr. Cog. Well, let's start with you, Senator Cutter. Before we get into the specifics of your bill, it's going to be considered along with a slate of others in a special legislative committee. Can you talk a little bit about what your bill entails and why you're putting it forward? Um, well, the bill actually passed already through the Transportation Legislative Review Committee, and so that means it'll be forwarded in the um, in the Senate in January. And so the bill is basically attaching a very small fee to vehicles based on their weight. Um, because we know that that is a significant contributor to traffic fatalities of vulnerable road users. Um, you know, people using mobility devices, bicyclists, pedestrians. And um, so then that, that will create a, a grant program for local um, cities and municipalities to draw on for road safety projects to protect those vulnerable road users. Yeah, and this is not a statewide thing. This would be for the counties, I think, in the metro area that, that have that issue. We identified the 12 most populous counties because um, data is tied to that. They have the most um, traffic fatalities of vulnerable road users. And also in rural areas, um, they frequently use, you know, the whole geography is different and they frequently use big heavy trucks for work and right. so we wanted to be mindful of that. Yeah. yeah, Senator Cutter, there are some who may say this punishes certain owners of certain vehicles. What do you say to that? It's absolutely not punitive. The fee is so small. If we wanted to be, if we wanted to be punishing, we would have had a much um, steeper fee. But I think it's, it's really reasonable to expect that um, people who are in, the vehicles that are involved in more of these incidents um, have some, carry some of the burden to help pay for some of these um, and fund some of these improvements, which again, we, we know will save lives. I think that is the thing we need to remember is that there was, I think, 11 pedestrian deaths last year. And um, that's, that's not okay. If yeah. we can do some simple things that are gonna save people's lives, then I, I think that's really important. And Emily, we want to get you in on this conversation. Dr. Cogs released its own Vision Zero report in 2020. And a statistic that really stood out to me was while only 14% of trips in the Denver region were made by walking and biking, people walking and biking were involved in more than 24% of fatal crashes. From a regional standpoint, has that statistic improved over the last three years? Yeah, um, we actually have seen from 2014 to 2021, uh, bicycle serious injury and fatal crashes have decreased 23% in the region. Um, so that's something to really be proud of. And we know that we're seeing that because there's been a lot of investment from our communities across the region for creating safe and comfortable ways for people of all ages and all abilities to be able to get around on a bicycle. Um, but, you know, we recognize that there still is a lot more work to be done. Um, we still have a lot of roadways that are still very unsafe for all modes. And so um, we're looking at doing full reconstructions of corridors to make sure that they are safe for every mode, but making sure that vulnerable road users are being able to get around um, 
just as safe as a person in a vehicle. And I think that's that's the question I have. The fact that, you know, we used to be so non-car uh, centric. We had streetcars that ran through cities and those were ripped out for the cars and, and things like that. How do you change an entire region that has been so car centric for so long to focus now on kind of a holistic approach? That it's not just the cars, but it's the people and, and the, you know, the, the bicyclists and things like that. Right. I mean, it, it's not going to happen overnight. These things are going to take time. And, you know, we have tons of communities across the region that are committed to Vision Zero and making safer streets for all modes. Um, since our adoption of the Taking Action on Regional Vision Zero Plan in 2020, over 10 of our member governments have adopted or are in the process of adopting a Vision Zero Plan or local safety action plan of their own. And you know that's showing that they're committed to and prioritizing safety in their communities. And you know we know that it's, it's not gonna be something that we're gonna see happen um, in, in one day or in one year, unfortunately, but it's something that we're committed to prioritizing more resources and funding towards so that everybody has the right to be able to move around their community safely. Yeah, it's good to hear that improvements are being made. And Senator Cutter, I wanna go back to you for a moment because even though there are a lot of organizations that have come up out in support of the bill, like mm -hmm. AAA, mm -hmm. you have received a little bit of pushback. So the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association is opposed are you working with stakeholders that have pushed back a little bit on crafting this legislation? Absolutely. The bill came out of, as I said, came out of an interim committee and we'll be continuing to work with uh, stakeholders and refine it before it's introduced um, in January. So it's really important to listen to everyone, even if we disagree about some policy points, there's always a way to um, to listen and maybe take some things into account that might make it a little easier for them. So something like this, this funding, is definitely a way to, to work through some of the issues that pedestrians have when they're on the roadways. What else, from a Dr. Cog perspective, <laughs> do we need when we're trying to address this serious issue? Well, funding is absolutely one of our biggest needs. Um, I mean, it, it also comes to the, the safety culture. Um, it's not, again, going to happen overnight, but it's taking a look at the way we, we view our roadway system and understanding that it's, it's not okay for a single person to lose their life um, getting from point A to point B. And it's, it's shifting that way of thinking. Um, you know, humans make mistakes, and they're also really vulnerable. Like, we, we can't withstand uh, the impact of crashes the way that, um, you know, a vehicle can. And so it's, it's taking those types of thinking into account in the way that we're putting um, our resources and our funding into projects and our transportation system and, and making sure that not just a motorist, but people that are walking and biking and using any other type of mobility device have the ability to safely get to their destination. State Senator Lisa Cutter represents Jefferson County. We also heard from Emily Kleinfelter with Denver's Regional Council of Governments. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week we'll have a Real Talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.